let's have just a word of prayer before we go into our message. Father, once again, we stand before you completely and absolutely dependent upon your spirit. This is your word that you have given through your working upon individuals by your Holy Spirit. And this word is inspired, breathed out of from God, from you, yourself. And so we come acknowledging our complete dependence upon you. And we pray also, Father, that you might open our hearts and our minds so that we might receive whatever you would say to us. We know we're dealing with a practical subject today, so to call it. But we pray that your Holy Spirit might so work that our response to it might be in keeping with your word. We thank you then for your promise. It tells us that your word will not return to you without profit, will not return void, but you will accomplish the purpose for which you send it forth today. And all of God's people said, Amen. As you know, we've been dealing with current issues. We've dealt with capital punishment. We've dealt with suicide. We're now going to deal with gambling. And I've entitled the message, A Practical and Biblical Perspective on Gambling. I says practical because one, at the beginning, we're going to approach this subject from just a logical and a philosophical point of view without necessarily going to Scripture. Then we will go to Scripture. And I'll explain to you why I believe that is necessary. But in light of the prevailing and pervasive pressure on Bahamians to legalize all forms of gambling and to introduce a national lottery, I have given my message a subtitle, as I normally do. And that subtitle is, why Christians should not support a government-sponsored national lottery. Why Christians should not support a government-sponsored national lottery. Let me begin with a few disclaimers. First, I will not address the issue relative to the legality or illegality or the constitutionality of the present law that prohibits Bahamians from gambling in casinos or anywhere else for that matter. The origins and reasons for this situation is so riddled with political and racial elements that it demands a different time, a different venue, and perhaps even a different preacher. <laughs> right? So I won't be dealing with that aspect of it. Secondly, I do not overlook the paradoxical real-life situation in which many Christians find themselves in the Bahamas. In that though even we oppose gambling, we nevertheless have not only got to do business with firms and people who make their living on gambling, but also have to work for them as well in many situations. We have to do that in such places with such people that we perhaps do not agree with what the business is all about. In a country like ours, that literally exists on tourism, of which gambling is now a major source of our national income, anything else is impossible from a human point of view. In fact, Paul the Apostle himself says in effect that not to do business with the unregenerate of the world, we'll have to go out of the world. That's just a result of living in a fallen world. So please don't come up to me and call me a hypocrite for speaking out against gambling when we, and then you see me eating at Atlanta's or Cable Beach. <laughs> first of all, you need to remember two things. First in mind, somebody probably paying for my lunch in the first place. <laughs> Secondly, I'm not there to gamble, I'm there to eat. All right? I'm not there to gamble. I'm there to eat, so don't call me a hypocrite for that. Also, I'm saying this because people have told me these things, all right? Also, don't come up with a lame argument that if I oppose gambling, then we shouldn't accept offerings from members who work at places that allow gambling. Because now, look at it. If you personally were to carry out that principle in your life, that you only receive from those whose income is derived only from businesses that do things that you agree with, you'd be in a sorry state to say the least. I say again, we live in a fallen world. Please be advised, however, that as a general and overall pastoral principle, we do in fact 
encourage our people not to take such jobs. And if they are in such a position, to try and to get out of as soon as possible, ask God to, prov to provide another job for him. Now, that's not being hypocritical. That's being practical in a fallen and paradoxical world. That's just the way things are. Okay, here's some basic questions that we want to ask and answer in this message today. First of all, is gambling a moral issue? Some people claim it's not a moral issue. Can it properly be described as right or wrong? Or is it amoral, that is, morally neutral as far as the activity is concerned? In other words, in itself, it's not wrong. In itself, it's not a bad thing to do. Secondly, in a country that has purposely rooted the principles of biblical Christianity within its very constitution, at least the preamble to it, is it morally right? Is it morally right for those who govern such a country to legalize a once outlawed activity and then encourage its citizens to participate in it? Remember, see, the question is, is it morally right for the government to do that? Now, these are the basic overall questions we will endeavor to answer in this message. But there are some other important questions we will be looking at as well. For instance, what is gambling? It is amazing. I was on a show with someone else arguing about this, uh, and that's what it was, an argument about gambling. And I said, before we talk about it, just find gambling for me. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't give a formal definition of gambling. It's amazing. You look at it yourself. What is gambling as far as you're concerned? Because we're talking about gambling. Now, I've done and I've seen a lot of uh, definitions. And I've sort of uh, come up with my own, but added some of the things that I've come up with. And here is my definition of gambling. Gambling is the betting of something of value with the hope of winning the outcome of an uncertain event, whereby the winnings are not determined by value, service, or goodwill, but only on chance and in such a way that the winnings are gained from the loss of others. That's my definition of gambling. Let's break them down. First of all, there are four elements in this definition that are essential. First of all, you have to use something of value. You cannot gamble if you don't have anything of value. Secondly, it's the risk of the loss of that something of value. There has to be a risk of losing that something of value, whether it's money, a car, or even your wife. You laugh at that? I brought that in purposely because I know people who actually gamble with their wives. You can have my wife for the weekend. You can have my wife. That's true. You see? People gamble their homes, something of value, all right? Thirdly, is the gain, the gain of the winner is at the expense of the losers. You cannot win if you don't have losers. And if you win, somebody's lost, all right? Then finally, desire to win. You don't gamble just because you like to gamble, although we're going to talk about addiction. You gamble because you want to win. If you want to lose, you won't gamble. Right or wrong? That's the desire to win. In other words, you want to beat the risk. You want to overcome the odds of winning. You see? These four elements are necessary here. In other words, the results are governed by the ratio of chance or odds. There can be no gambling, I say, without the elements of risk-taking and a desire to win. And we're going to see how important these two interact with each other. The nature of both, the desire to win and also the idea of risk, determine the degree of intensity the gambler puts into his act of gambling. Uh, let me explain that. We have different types of gambling. Let me put that back. We have different types of gamblers, the same way we have different types of Christians. We have some Christians who are moderate in their Christianity. You have gamblers who are moderate. 
You have gamblers who are fanatic. We say addictive. You have Christians who are fanatic in their religion. Sometimes we'd say they're committed, dedicated, but they give up everything to their Christianity. We can talk more about that, but we're going to see that there's some similarities here. Let, let me say something else as well. Playing cards is not gambling. Horse racing is not gambling. Bingo is not gambling. Rolling of the dice is not gambling. I did all of these things. What is gambling is betting money on doing these things. That's the point. I used to gamble shooting pool. I had a thief from my daddy. So I could go gamble shooting pool. When I became a Christian, I thought shooting pool was from the devil. I thought it came from the pit of hell. Because that was the form of gambling, of sin I took I, I took part in. I thought that shooting pool itself was a sin. That's not it. It's not playing cards itself. It's not horse racing itself. It's not even shooting dice itself. It's when you bet something of value on it that makes it gambling. We got to remember that because we have so much, uh, at times it becomes so legalized. We see a young person playing, uh, what the game you play with cards? I forget now, I so old. Huh? <laughs> you know where you have cards or you have dice? They don't want, some Christians say, no, 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 Christians shouldn't do that. That's silly. All right? It's when you risk money for it that makes it wrong as we just see. All right, let's ask another question. Why do people gamble? The answer is very simple. They want to win. That's why you gamble. You want to win. Now, even though it is more likely that they would be eaten by a shark than to win a lottery or even, be, or even contract AIDS through contaminated blood, and that's scientifically established, yet people do it anyway. The desire, now listen to this carefully, their desire to win is greater than the intellectual persuasion. That's why personally I believe that one of the greatest reasons why we shouldn't gamble is because it shows how foolish we are. It's the most illogical thing a person could do with his money or anything of value. Illogical. Most gamblers do not gamble because it is illogical or wise to gamble but simply because they want to win, regardless of the odds against them doing so. The, 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 the deck is always stacked against the gambler, never against the house. You will understand that if we had more winning going over in Atlantis, Atlantis would not be able to go on. The only way Atlantis could go on, the casino I'm talking about, is because people lose. If the casinos lost, there would be no casinos. The thing with gambling, however, is that the odds are always against the majority of gamblers winning. Or as the gambler would say, the deck is stacked against them. This is one of the, as I said here, the things that amazes me about gambling and gamblers. The odds are always against them. The odds are never in favor of the gambler. They know that to choose to gamble is to go against all logic and rational thinking. But they gamble nonetheless. Why? They want to win. Why do they want to win? It touches something else in an individual. And it begins with G. And ends with D. But it isn't God. It's greed. The New Yorker magazine stated that the chances of winning the lottery in New York was 12 million to one. In Florida, it was claimed, it's claimed now that up to 60 million or more dollars go to Florida by Bahamians every week to gamble. The ratio there is 14 million to one that you win. But the millions go anyway. Amazing. That's why I say again, one of the most forceful, practical, common sense reasons that can be given for a person not to gamble 
is that gambling is intellectually irrational. It is simply not a rational way to invest your money. Just stupid. That's okay to use in this context. <laughs> By the way, and this is what I was mentioning before, if you gamble, you're a gambler. Musa, I just do it once now and that. No, if you gamble, you're a gambler. You just might be like a Christian and say, I'm a Christian, but you only come to church now and then. We're not committed to it yet. So if you gamble, you're a gambler. The only difference is intensity of activity. As I mentioned, the same way we have deeply committed Christians, sometimes called fanatics, normally committed Christians and non-committed Christians, so we have deeply committed gamblers, sometimes called addicted or compulsive gamblers. They gamble all the time. Nominally committed gamblers, they gamble frequently. And then the non-committed gamblers, they gamble occasionally. But if you gamble, whenever you do, you're a gambler. Now let's look at some reasons given by proponents of gambling for legalized gambling in the Bahamas. This is the practical aspect, the rational aspect. We're not going to the scriptures yet, we will. Some say life is a gamble. Have you heard that? Life is a gamble. That's not true. Life is not a gamble. Life is an investment. Besides, if we wanted to, we could go on and discuss about things that we have necessary risks and unnecessary risks. If I'm on this side of the street and I want to go on the other side of the street, I have to take a necessary risk. What's that? Being knocked down by one of these crazy drivers. But I have to cross the street. Right? That's a necessary risk. Gambling is an unnecessary risk. There are things in life that are necessary that are risky. You see? But it's not a gamble. The whole big difference, as we'll see as we go along. Then some other says it's only entertainment. That one is a popular one. It's only entertainment. Now, this is the basic fallacy here if you follow it through logically. What they're saying is that whatever is fun or whatever is entertaining is right. Just because it's fun to do, just because it's entertaining, doesn't make it right. I could tell you a lot of fun and entertaining things to do that is sinful. I don't think I need to. You probably could think of some as well. Right? Now here's another one. The church does it. I love this one. The church does it, then why shouldn't I? The idea is if the church does it, it's okay. But this is the basic error as well, a fallacy. What they are saying is that everything every church does is automatically right. That's wrong. The church could do wrong things too. In fact, the church does, the church does do wrong things. The church do do wrong things. The church does do wrong things. Right? Just because the church does it, doesn't make it right. So that's not an argument, that's illogical thing to say. In other words, the ends do not justify the means. Using an immoral means to aid a moral one is immoral. Did you understand that? Using an immoral means to help a moral cause is immoral. That is why even in the case of churches, that use gambling to aid its ministry. Simply baptizing an immoral activity with the sanction of a church does not make it morally right. Dr. Norman Geisler, one of our instructors, wrote in the, he wrote a book. It's called Gambling a Bad Bet. This is what he says, quote, Those who trust God don't gamble. And those who gamble do not trust God to provide for them. So as stark as it seems, we must choose between God and gambling. Now that's stark, isn't it? But basically, that's true. Because we're talking about providing. You see, not everything every church organization does is right or moral, as I've stated. Jim Jones, for instance, he sanctioned murder and suicide. Does that make it right? Should the government sanction murder and suicide? The fact of the matter is, neither the government or the churches should be involved in gambling. What we should do is to stop gambling in the churches, not introduce it in government. Or anywhere else, for that matter. It's just an illogical thing. It's not thinking right. 
Here's the fourth reason some people give for legalizing gambling. People are going to do it anyway. And I love this one. In fact, I love all of these arguments so, because they're so easy to destroy. If you have people here come up with these arguments, you could make them look like fools if you want to. Because they're so stupid what they're saying when it comes to logic and rationality. People are going to do it anyway. That's a false basic assumption. If people are going to do it anyway, the argument is, then legalize it. As though legalizing something makes it morally right. See, because that's what they're trying to say. Everyone's going to do legalize it. That would. In the government, in, as far as the public is concerned, that makes it right. That's wrong. It's still wrong. If this were a reasonable argument, then why shouldn't we apply it to murder? To rape? To incest? To wife abuse, child abuse, stealing and so on. People will continue to do these things. The courts tell you that. Look at our judicial system. It's at a standstill. Why? Because so many people are doing the same things over and over and over and over again. So if we apply to that, legalize it, and we don't need the judicial system anymore. If you legalize these vices, then they should be called legalize immoral vices. Besides, it's not true that people, and this has been proven, it's not true that people will gamble naturally or normally. That's just not true. They will do it if it's convenient. They will do it if it's legal. They will do it if it's vigorously promoted and advertised. We had a bunch of Christians come down from the church I pastored. This shows you my failure there. Uh, in Racine, Wisconsin. Went over the ladders and all of them went to the slot machines. That's right. I said, I'm coming. He says, well, we don't see anything like this in Racine, Wisconsin. But here they are, and nobody can see me anyway. It's convenient. The very fact that many cities in the United States who have legalized gambling spend so much money on advertising them to lure people shows that you won't do it naturally. You think I'll advertise that people are going to come without me saying anything? No. They advertise it because they want to make it alluring. They want to attract people. People just do not do it naturally. Legalization of gambling will actually encourage non-gamblers to gamble and will provide both an incentive and temptation for young Bahamians to become contaminated and even addicted to this vice. Dr. Geisler makes another statement in this connection concerning the youth in the United States. This is what he says, quote, a time bomb of young gamblers is now ready to explode in America. 90% of problem gamblers are now young people. That wasn't true before it was legalized. 90%! And yet they want to use gambling to help youth. It's amazing the logic. He makes another statement, quote, 20 years ago, there were virtually no teenagers in Gambler, Gamblers Anonymous. Today, they comprise 20% of those being treated. The same study also showed an alarming increase of women gamblers. Quote, women gamblers now make up one out of every four persons being treated by Gamblers Anonymous. That was not a problem before it was legalized in the United States. Listen, friends, it can be stated without any fear of contradiction of being proven wrong. If gambling is legalized in the Bahamas, the Bahamas will rapidly increase in the number of Bahamian gamblers. There's no doubt about that. And if what is now happening in the U.S., since gambling has been legalized in most states, some 10% of those who gamble regularly will become problem or addictive to gambling. Here's another thing they say. Gambling is a voluntary activity. No one is forced to gamble against their will. This is another one. And people really say this, you know, it's there, but we don't have, it's like your TV. You don't have to watch that program. You could cut it off, you could switch the channel if you want. But again, there's a faulty basic assumption here. They're saying that all that is voluntary or done without coercion or force is okay. 
Once you don't force me to do it, it's okay. Is that true? No, of course it isn't true. One voluntary act, which is unquestionably be good, which is unquestionably moral, which is absolutely right, and one un, I'm sorry, one voluntary act that God is expecting the Christian to do is to do his will. That's one voluntary act that God expects us to do. Listen to how John puts it in second um, first John chapter two. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the craving of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and his desires passed away. But notice this now. The man who does the will of God lives forever. But you've got to choose it. That's a voluntary act. That's one voluntary act that God encourages us all to do. It is without question that from a biblical perspective, gambling is of the world, meaning that it is contrary to the will of God for the Christian. No Bible-believing Christian should voluntarily choose to gamble. Listen to what James has to say about this. When tempted, as with government-sponsored lottery, no one should say, God is tempting me. Don't say, God allowed this here to test me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. For each one is tempted when by his own evil desire. See, desire has so much to do with it. He is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The Bible is clear. When we choose to do evil, evil leads us to death. Let's look at... One more reason for gambling, that advocates of gambling gives. He says it's a good cause. They talk about helping education. They talk about helping sports and young people. Good cause. We already mentioned this, but let's look at it a little more. I believe this is also a false kettle. Again, they're simply saying that the ends justify the means. Now, they wouldn't do it for other things. I am having trouble meeting my bills. My, I have my son... I was going to say wife, but we pick on the wives so much in these illustrations. I, I have my son insured for $5 million. Maybe I could work it out some way so I could kill him. So they would think he died by accident. I could get all I need to take all of my... That's a good thing. Let me use my wife now. My wife, she needs medical... Uh, uh, attention keep my house keep all of the that's a good thing I feed my children that's the same logic and it's stupid to believe just because something is good I could do anything to make it happen it's foolish remember this my friends using an immoral means to aid a moral cause is an immoral action period Peterson another author in his book, What You Should Know About Gambling, says this. And um, he talks about the Los Angeles Times uh, stating that a government-sponsored lottery for the cause of education in that city is immoral. He's talking about what's happening in Los Angeles. This is what he says. State-sponsored lottery is immoral because it would make education and other pressing needs of the state dependent on the weakness rather than the strength of our people. See, because gambling goes to the baser desires of man. Why use those? Why, why go to those baser desires to do something good for our children? doesn't make sense. I agree with this statement 100%. Legalized gambling is a classic way in which a nation can bring disgrace rather than glory to its nation upon its people. They can do this by encouraging its citizens to support good causes with immoral means. I believe that such an, such an approach would degrade and demoralize the character of well-meaning, socially concerned, patriotic spirit of citizens. 
Rather than meeting such needs through proper information, right incentives, and just plain old-fashioned work, sweat, and tears, state-sponsored gambling seek to do so by appealing to the basic instincts of its citizens. This would be a tragedy if gambling is legalized in the Bahamas in this fashion. We always have seen an example of this already with the ones that are legalized. I believe that our political leaders need to heed the words of Solomon in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 12. This is what he says. Kings, in context is righteous kings or righteous prime ministers, detest wrongdoing. For a throne or a government is established through righteousness. Our, people, our, our government need to understand that. Proverbs 14.31, we all know. He who opposes the poor, and by the way, we'll see in a moment, legalized gambling does show that we oppress the poor when we gamble. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. How? By not oppressing the poor. And this can be applied directly to, go to, to gambling because it's been demonstrated again and again that the most people who gamble, majority-wise now, are poor people. Why? Well, because they won't get rich. They won't have more money. One of the responses by those who favor legalized lottery to those like myself who oppose it is they insist that because we oppose it, we should therefore come up with a solution as to how to fund the causes or the projects the lottery was designed to do. In other words, we oppose it, then we take care of the athletes. We oppose it, then we pay for all education. How foolish can you get? But yet that's one of the biggest reasons they bring up. You see, they say that if we cannot do this or won't do this, then our failure to do so automatically legitimizes the lottery. Noting that such a reasoning fallacious is, has a malicious, intimidating intent. You've got to think through some of these things. Let's turn now specifically to the Bible. Now, let me say to, to a lot of you Bible scholars right now and Bible students, nowhere in the Bible will you find these words, thou shalt not gamble. We wish it did, but it doesn't say that. Nowhere would you find in the Bible, thou shalt not gamble. Some say that is clear example that gambling in the Bible, uh, then the Bible then does not in any way uh, uh, oppose gambling because it says, nowhere does it say you shouldn't do it. Some say that the only place that gambling is mentioned in the Bible specifically is when the soldiers gamble through dice for the robe of Jesus. But person, I don't think that was gambling. That was something like the drawing of straws to see who would get the highest number who's a win because those fellows wasn't gambling anything to lose. They just wanted to see who would get that particular garment. So it's like drawing straws or the umum and tumum they talked about. It wasn't gambling. It was just to make a decision about something. They weren't risking anything. So gambling was not involved. But anyway, my point is this. The Bible is not specifically condemn or condone gambling per se in any one passage. Some people say, see, that's what I'm saying. Then the Bible is not against this. Well, if you're a Christian, especially, and I'm addressing Christians mostly, then you cannot believe in the Trinity. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say God is a Trinity. Nowhere. How do you come up with that doctrine then? By taking all of Revelation, all of God, what he has to say about the Father, what he has to say about the Son, what he has to say about the Holy Spirit, and you put it together and you come up with a conclusion that there's a trinity. That's the same thing with, with when you come to the gambling. You put it, all scriptures together and see what it says about the nature of this act, what we call gambling. Let's look at some specific reasons then why gambling should not be legalized. Number one. Gambling is morally sinful because it violates clear biblical directives and standards. Gambling is an evidence and sustainer of greed, of lust, and covetousness. And all of these things are condemned and prohibited in Scripture. All of them. The last of the commandments is clear and specific. Thou shalt not covet. And when you are gambling, you are coveting what all the other people have in it together. Because the losers give you what you win. 
you're coveting what the losers will have. Gambling is a clear example of coveting that which does not rightfully belong to you and you do not work for it, you do not earn it, and nobody leaves it for you. Secondly, gambling is also a form of stealing. And so the violation of the Eighth Commandment. Now listen carefully for this because this is a reasoning of the Scriptures. For a gambler to win his or her jackpot, hundreds and even thousands, when you come to the lottery, of others have to lose. And it has been scientifically proven that the majority of those who lose in gambling can least afford to gamble in the first place. You know that one of the big things now, they actually have the selling of lottery and all these other forms of gambling, the places where people go to pick up their um, benefit checks. Right there, because they're being convenient, because those are the people who gamble. Studies in the U.S. have conclusively shown that state, and I quote now, state lotteries take a disproportionately high amount of their revenue from the poor and minority communities, end of quote. This has led one author to state, and I quote again, Geisler, this is state-sponsored stealing from the poor and is a form of economic immorality. I believe that is true. Commenting on the way the jackpot is paid over a long period of time rather than all at once. You know when you win all these millions, they don't give it to you all at the time. Paid over a period of time or if you get a lump sum, you lose a lot. You know the whole story, right? But that's the way they do it. Here's what one economic person says concerning this. Quote, there is much to be said for the idea that if a Wall Street promoter represented a stock deal the way the states do their lotteries, he would most likely be put behind bars. But government does it. Government do it. Gov government does it on a regular basis. Undoubtedly, if legalized gambling comes here, our government would pay off the major winners in the same function. And so I conclude that the government cannot justify this kind of economic immorality with the excuse that the poor chose. The poor chose to gamble on their own and the government didn't force them to do it. Just as in whole water. This does not justify their being taken advantage of by the government, which is supposed to care for the poor rather than to oppress them by exploiting their weaknesses. And this is exactly what is involved. But secondly, gambling is socially degenerating. It thrives on the basic instincts of our desires, encouraging other vices, and it discourages the work ethic. All of this is contradiction to the scriptural teaching concerning these concepts. Listen carefully to this now. The active promotion and encouragement of government in giving its citizens the hope that they could win millions of dollars and become a millionaire overnight, cultivate a selfish, greedy love for money. It nullifies and casts aspersion upon the Word of God, which says very clearly, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. That's Luke 12, 15. But the government is encouraging you to think otherwise, if they go this route. The history of countries wherever gambling has been legalized is a record of things that accompany them such as crime, corruption, poverty, and social degeneration. It encourages laziness, slothfulness, and irresponsibility. It also encourages an, an inordinate and sinful attitude toward money. The scriptures very clearly state that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. And that's what gambling incites within a person, a desire to have money. But secondly, government-backed and promoted gambling depreciates and discourages a healthy attitude toward, toward the work ethic. This is true because gambling most definitely promotes the kind of attitude, mentality, and way of life which are exactly opposite to the spiritual, moral, and biblical injunction to work to meet one's needs. In fact, the Apostle Paul says quite pointedly, if one does not work, neither should he eat. See? That's the work ethic. He also says, let him that steals, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands in things that are good. Notice now, so that he may have to give to the one who have a need. Solomon 
gives a dire warning to the sluggard. That's the lazy person who wants to make money without working for it. This is what he says. Proverbs 21, 25. The sluggard's craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. Someone has done a study of all the major winners of the lotteries through the years. You should read it. I don't know if we have what kind of success. How many have actually, some have actually killed themselves. Some have gone bankrupt. Their homes have been destroyed. Their families have been destroyed. It's just amazing. These people have all the money. And yet their life turned out so miserable. You see, and it's proven. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little, make it grows. The Living Bible puts it like this, Wealth from gambling quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows. That's the word of God. Now, from a secular perspective, in Washington, D.C., the Presidential Commission on the Review of the, of the National Policy Toward Gambling uh, noted a specific finding concerning connection between gambling and work. This is what they said. And this is recent. This is only, I think, in 2004, 2005. This is what it says. If, through legal gambling, citizens are allowed or encouraged to make a profit or gain through chance rather than through work, the government may be undermining a basic social tenant of our culture. Now, that's a secular conclusion, not biblical secular one. Now this leads into a third reason to, not to legalize gambling and that is gambling is politically irresponsible. Why? It promotes a lifestyle that is contrary to rather than being in conformity with the kind of lifestyle that, that promotes national righteousness. This is what the Bible says in Proverbs 14.34. Sin is a reproach to a nation but righteousness exalts the people. Gambling promotes sin. A government that backs and promotes legalized gambling teaches its people to support good and worthy causes for the wrong reasons. Not out of a patriotic concern, not out of citizen responsibility, not out of pride and decency, but an act of selfishness, greed, and personal gain. That's irresponsible for government to do. Government-sponsored gambling tempts the poor, tempts the youth, and the needy to squander their money, not to save it or to invest it wisely. It teaches a wrong, non-productive way of life, when it should be teaching a right and productive way of life. In our case, here in the Bahamas, it could actually help to ruin the lives of, of the very little darlings that the proceeds from the lottery are supposed to help. It could actually destroy them in the future. But fourthly, legalized gambling is economically unproductive. Listen to this quote. The actual cost of society in terms of crime, addiction, immoralities, is probably more than what the government takes in from its cut in gambling revenue or licenses. There's little return on the dollar for government license and supported gambling. Now we have all kinds of figures. There's amazing reading. They see how you look at one side of the people and it says they make all this kind of money. You look at other more, uh, how shall I say, more objective looking at it who have nothing to do with it and shows that you don't make that money what you think you're making. Here's what is, the conclusion was, that the returns never cover the actual overall negative impact it has upon a society. Counseling. When we do counseling, we counsel people who are involved in the casinos and what, and what not. The home lives are destroyed. Husband and wife, children. It's just amazing how many social problems arise when people are involved in this kind of situation. Listen to this quote again. From a study that reflects the conclusion of numerous other studies in this area. It says, quote, the actual cost of society in terms of crime, addiction, immoralities is probably more than what the government takes in from its cut in gambling licenses. There is little return on the dollar for government license and supporting gambling. I think I quoted that just now. Here's another one. Some studies have concluded that the actual return on the dollar for such states as California and Florida is only two or three cents when all the expense of managing the operation and negative fallout from gambling are taken into consideration. When everything is taken into consideration, two or three cents from these big states, and yet they say they're making money. Historian Joel Edsel concludes his book on gambling in the, in the United States in this way. He says, if history teaches us anything 
A study of over 1,300 legal lotteries held in the United States proves that they cost more than they brought in of the total impact on when the total impact on society is reckoned. That's something that's been demonstrated again and again, regardless of what you hear others say. Here's a fifth reason why gambling should not be legalized. Gambling is domestically detrimental. It causes hardship, marital, marital conflicts, and deprivation of basic family necessities. I can give you personal examples of this. You know, before I told you that I was addicted to pornography, I was addicted to gambling. I can tell you all the other things I've been addicted to. <laughs> but gambling, and we used to have one of the biggest, I've shared this before, gambling uh, 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 event in our, in our laundry. For, from Saturday until Sunday, we'd go through all it. And we would see people who work for us come to us to ask for a loan on their next week's salary because they just lost this week. And then we'd see the, the mother and the parents come during the week trying to get money for food or for school and the fights and the rows that happened because of that. That's what we're talking. And it's going on all the time. Absentee spouses, financial disasters, spouse abuse and divorce are only a few of the many tolls Gambling takes on a marriage. That's a quote from Geisler again. But here's the sixth reason. Gambling is psychologically addictive. Many people become the victims of irrational, unconscious desires that change them to a way of life that is no longer voluntary. I remember, that is so true of me. I started off with dice, cards, pool shooting. Then I went to horse racing. And I remember how I used to go lose my money absolutely sure I can win the next race. That's right. And so rather than put it on first place, they put it on second place. So I could win enough to put it on the win for the next race. And I would lose, but boy, say it came close. So I just know I can win the next race. And that's the way it goes. You just know, you just know, you just know. As I mentioned, I used to steal from my dad in order to go and play or shoot pool. It's addictive. The American Psychiatric Association originally defined pathological gambling as a diagnosable mental disorder in 1980. This is what it says. Quote, gambling is a chronic and progressive failure to resist the impulse to gamble. A progressive failure to resist the impulse. The point is this, no one starts out this way. I didn't start out to lose all kinds of money. I started out to lose sixpence and a shilling, but not five pounds and ten pounds and fifteen pounds. And some young people think I talk in, in, in tongues, right? That's the t money was used when I was young. Six months is what? I, I, not even 10 cents. You see? So I did, you know, not much. But then, I, seven, thanks a lot. All right. But then it goes on and on and on. And then no matter how much the money is, you're so sure you're going to win the next throw, the dice, the next card, whatever it is. You just know when they're ready to get, hit you again. You're not going to go over to anyone. You just know that. But it never shows up. It never comes up. No one ever starts out this way. It always starts out with the well-intentioned person truly believing that he or she could control the urge or desire to gamble. But the convenience to gamble and the lure of the big win eventually tempt the And it's becoming greater and greater. You see some of these millions of dollars you could win? And so being absolutely convinced that we will eventually win, we go again and again and again and again, but it never comes. Gamblers Anonymous United States reports that there are some 8 million compulsive gamblers throughout America and that some 12,000 of them are seeking treatment in their 700 chapters throughout the United States and becoming, it's growing rapidly. Richard Richardson, the head of the Maryland Council of the Compulsive Gamblers, states that the problem has reached epidemic proportions. And as we've already noted, an alarming trend in the growth of teenage and women gamblers in the United States is already happening, and the same thing will happen here as well. 
And so the rise in these numbers have proven again that gambling is addictive. It happened to anyone if gambling becomes convenient and especially if it becomes legalized. Here's a quote. The more people there are who gamble, the more gambling becomes a problem to more people. And that will certainly happen here if gambling is legalized, especially if lottery comes in. Now, some of you are Cowboys fans. You remember Cowboy fans? You know, people who play football. Tom Landry was a Christian, and he was against gambling in this state. And he, one time they had a, uh, 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 they had a, a rally against it, and this is what they put up a picture of Tom Landry concerning a gambling, and this is how it goes. Do we have it? Yeah. Notice what he says there. Legalized gambling is a disease as destructive as alcoholism or drug abuse, as addictive. And I believe that is true. We're going to be talking about alcoholism later on. The word of God, though, is sure in its prediction. Listen to these statements from the book of Proverbs once more as we close. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. And gambling is a way that you try to get rich quick. Proverbs 28, 22. A stingy man is eager to get rich and is unaware that poverty awaits him. And of course, Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Let me summarize then. From a biblical perspective, gambling is not an amoral activity as some would claim. It is an immoral, sinful activity that corrupts the individual, contaminates a society, and brings dishonesty and dishonor to a, to a nation. And so for a government of a professedly Christian nation to legalize and actively promote and officially encourage its citizens to indulge in this form of debasing behavior would be one of the most serious acts of the dereliction of its duty that could ever commit. And I believe that strongly. To answer the opening question then, should a Christian support the legalization of gambling and endorse a government-sponsored lottery? What do you think my answer is? The answer from a biblical perspective is clear. Christians should say no to such a proposal. And of course, if you are a Christian and you do not gamble now, please do not begin. If you are gambling, please stop. And so by, by way of application, the question to all of us is this. Whose will will you follow when it comes to gambling? Legal or illegal? Will you follow your will, the government's will, the people's will, or God's will? Remember, he who does the will of God lives forever. It's only he or she who does the will of God who abides forever. As always, Sila, think and act on these things.